Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. With Michigan football fall camp underway, we discuss the most notable happenings from practice. Will Michigan throw the ball more in 2023? And coming off back-to-back Big Ten titles, the Wolverines earn their highest ranking in the preseason coaches poll in more than 40 years. Will they live up to the hype? That and more on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be with you here Wednesday morning, August 9th. Uh, I've been away. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I've, yeah, missed the last couple. I did listen. I, I drove home from upstate New York um, in the final, final four hour stretch in the, the late night, I guess, slash early morning. The Wolverine Confidential Podcast got me through. Uh, you know, I listened in reverse order because I didn't know the timing, like what I have, you know, so I made sure I listened to the most recent one first, but then went back listening. Yeah, yeah had more time. So listen, we went back and listened to the the one before to that one. Yep. So it was it was good stuff. I liked the recruiting story with the hats. I, I didn't know we were still doing that. So it was, it was good to hear the kid with the the hats and the the deeks and <laughs> it was it was something else. Did uh can we get your um New York Mets trade deadline grade? I also heard that. I I <laughs> I left and I came back and the whole team was gone basically. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, I'm actually excited about it. I didn't want those old pit, expensive pitchers to begin with. Uh, you know, it gets to the point where it's like, all right, if you even, even if it is successful, you know, kind of what is, what is the point here if you're just trying to buy it? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm more for the homegrown approach it was too bad. It was such a disaster this year, but you know, I'm actually excited potentially for the future, but yes, complete fire sale. What a disaster. Uh, yes, the Mets. So yeah, we, uh, you know, as I mentioned, Michigan, you know, the preseason coaches poll came out, uh, Michigan is number two, uh, Georgia, which, which has won the last two national titles is number one, uh, and got 61 of the 65 first place votes. Michigan didn't get, uh, any, um, Alabama got four and Ohio state, which is ranked third and Ohio state got one and they're ranked fourth. Uh, so that's five votes. So maybe my math was, was a little off. Maybe it's 66 or they got 60. I don't know. Either way, a few for Alabama, one for Ohio state, uh, and they're right behind Michigan. Yeah. I mean, the AP poll comes out Monday, Aaron. Is that right? Yeah. Monday Three days. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if, if Michigan is two in that as well, uh, it would be the best preseason ranking in that poll since, 
91. Uh, this other one, they were they were two in in 81 uh, in the coaches poll. But um, yeah, I mean, this is all kind of expected given how you know last year ended, right? Yeah, and that's what kind of polls are, right? They they te- voters tend to look at what teams previously did, and then obviously what they have coming back. We all know Michigan's loaded again. Uh, they're they're they were the preseason favorites to win the Big Ten. Uh, so they're right about where I'd expect them to be. I thought maybe maybe they were a tad higher. I was thinking maybe three. Uh, nonetheless, I mean, there's, at at this point, it's it's it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, as I always tell people and caution folks who get worked up about the polls, especially the coaches and a people, they have no bearing on the uh, the ultimate playoff poll, which is the one that decides the four teams that battle it out. So uh, it's a talking point. It's something to discuss. It's something to debate. Um, in, in the case of Michigan, I don't think there's much debate. They deserve to be right there. You want to give a little bit of a sneak preview of your uh, AP vote and, and give us your top five? It's funny you bring that up. I, for the first time in four years, do not have a vote in the AP poll this year, which I'm Ooh. like, it, it's, it's like a, yeah, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like I got, I got used to it. It was a process. It took a lot of work. I had to actually, you know, you had to pay attention to everything that's going on, not just in the big 10, but around the country. So I don't have a vote. Uh, so I know I, I will not have a ballot. Um, nonetheless, I mean, I fully expect Michigan to be, you know, right there, two or three. All right. Well then now that you don't have a vote, and you can give us your top five for for free. Then uh, give people what they want. What what is it? Come on, McMahon. Uh, you put me on the spot, but I certainly would put Georgia one, Michigan probably two. Um, I probably put Ohio State right there too. If Michigan's two, Ohio State should probably be three. Um, LSU was five in the coaches' bowl. I'd probably put them ahead of Alabama. I don't Alabama. There's question again, like Ohio State. They had question marks at, at quarterback, and they don't have that like top tier receiver. I think to pay attention to so. I put LSU probably in that top four as well. Interesting. It it is funny. I mean, yeah, it doesn't really mean much as is the preseason poll, but like you looked at like the Georgia, Alabama, uh, and Ohio State. I mean, those are like the best recruiting schools in in the country, but they all kind of have quarterback question marks. And you look at Michigan and LSU; they have an established quarterback, have some more returning pieces. I mean, USC two at number six, and they've all kind of used the transfer portal this year too to to reload and fill needs. So. Um, it, it's kind of like the richer getting richer. And yeah, I mean, it's not surprising to see those five, six schools at the top. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if two, three, maybe even four of those teams do make the, the college football playoff come, uh, come December. If Michigan is ahead of Ohio State in the AP poll as well, it would be the first time Michigan was ahead of Ohio State in the preseason AP poll since. Any guesses? Late 90s? It wasn't 19? 2019? It was not nineteen. One of those years, and it, it might have been that one. They were, they were, they were back to back. You know, pretty high. I don't know if it was like five, six. Right. Or, or, so they're predicted to win the Big Ten, but behind them in the or something the, like that. Yes, God. but um, but yeah, no, they were behind them in that. It would be um, twenty oh six, twenty twelve, twenty twelve. Michigan was was ahead of Ohio State. They were uh, Michigan was number eight. Ohio State was eighteen. Um, you know, it was Urban Myers. First year there, uh, they were not, you know, eligible for the postseason or for a bowl, but they ended up winning all their games anyway. So they, you know, certainly finished finished higher than Michigan, but Michigan was was higher than them to to start the year. So we'll see see if that's the case again. Um, you know, we've had some, you know, availability with with players, um, you know, this week and, and since since the last podcast, um, you know, including quarterback JJ McCarthy and others. Uh, and, you know, one of the topics that's been discussed is Michigan potentially throwing the ball more this season. 
Uh, you know, we can discuss whether we think that's actually going to happen, but yeah, I guess what is, what, what are kind of the thoughts, uh, you know, on that from, from Michigan side so far? Yeah. Before we comment on this, I want to emphasize this to everyone listening and it's, this hasn't changed over the years. We have not seen practice. We are not a lot. We are not allowed into practice. We are not allowed to see a snap or anything of the sort. So our access certainly differs from some other schools like a Penn state or Ohio state where reporters are actually allowed in for, for a portion of it to see stuff. Even Michigan state, right? Didn't Michigan state reporters get to see some, uh, some practices and Michigan state too. Yes. Yes. So we have to rely on what we're told, uh, whether that's, on the record from players and coaches or behind the scenes from folks, you know, who may or may not have, have seen stuff or heard stuff. Nonetheless, this week, we've been told that they, they start at least the first week of camp. They have, they have been throwing the ball more. Um, I guess it's not a shock given what Jim Harbaugh told us back in June that he predicted more of a 50, 50 split when it came to the play calling. Now we, we all know Jim isn't the primary play caller. That's Sharon Moore. So it's, it's obviously ultimately going to be up to Sharon and how this, this offense looks and not executes and operates. Um, but this is kind of Jim Harbaugh's vision. So I, I think there's some merit to what he says. Um, now, it is important to point out here that, you know, when we were told this on Monday, they were less than a week in a camp. They were, in fact, just five practices in. Uh, that means they're not in full pads. They're not tackling everyone. I'm sure J.J. wasn't getting tackled at all. Uh, so it, it's a situation where Michigan's kind of limited in some regard. So it makes sense that th they're throwing the ball more. Um, not only did JJ tell us that, but uh, Zach Zinter, the offensive line, emphasized that. Uh, so it, it is something they're working on. I, I think they realize that it's it's an area where they need to improve. It's something we've been discussing. I feel like a whole offseason. You know, it's the one big question mark, right? Who's going to emerge at receiver? Who's going to be the star? Who's going to kind of bring Michigan, help bring Michigan to the top? But when when you look at how Michigan operated last year offensively, sixty one thirty nine run pass split. Uh, it makes sense. I don't feel like Michigan can run the ball much more than they did last year. So it only it only makes sense as they go the other way and they're going to throw the ball more. Now, whether it's 50-50, I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, from what we've been told, they did spend an inordinate amount of time uh, throwing the ball in the, in the first week of camp. Over under two and a half passes by a running back this year. Oh, man. Uh, it, it's it's funny you bring that up because Diamond Edwards has been asked it now a couple of times in, in separate interviews, whether like – they're going to use him more in the passing game, not only catching the ball, but throwing the ball. Um, probably under, but it wouldn't surprise me if they, they try it a time or two at some point. Yeah, good number. I don't know what a, what a random uh, prop that he throws out there, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say over. I'll say over, but I, it's tough. I mean, you still have Blake Quorum, still have Donovan Edwards, and you still have a great offensive line, even with some new pieces, what you know it projects to be. So, you know, you're not going to get away from that it's still going to be a strength of the team i don't think you're just going to throw just to throw um you know you, you that's sometimes the game plan calls for more of it and you know when it does they 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 had it um you know at their disposal when they needed it against um you know ohio state and you know even at times against uh um purdue in the in the big 10 championship and and against tcu i mean it's just you know, there was obviously some back breaking mistakes in that game, you know, including, you know, in the passing game that that cost them. But um, they were still successful overall kind of moving the ball, you know, through the air in that game. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they they still have the pieces in place for a dominant running game. So I don't expect it to be a 50 50 split by any means. It's interesting because I've, I've asked a couple of outside analysts about this uh, this offseason. Joshua Perry, he's going to be. Um, he's a big to network. He's gonna be working for NBC Sports this year, and then Jake Butt, uh, you know, Sirius XM, BTN guy, 
Um, they both agree that they believe that Michigan needs to throw the ball more this year, especially earlier on and get it going. They felt like Michigan waited too long last year to start throwing the ball and emphasizing it. And that's maybe why it cost him down the stretch, especially in that TCU game where it got into a track meet. And Michigan, well, they they did a decent job of trying to keep up. Ultimately, obviously, it wasn't enough. So I, I do think, and again, this is my humble opinion here. I, I do think Michigan's going to, um, I think they need to throw the ball earlier and more often just to get things in sync. And they're going to have to find another receiver, I think. I think they're going to have to develop a chemistry between J.J. McCarthy and whether it's Tyler Morris or whether it's Darius Clemens or whatever that second and third receiver is going to be. Um, they need to get that earlier on. And, and look, team at this point, Michigan's now two years into their run offense and their run-heavy scheme and everything else. And, and look, Michigan's going to certainly – there's no doubt about it that's going to be the, the base of their offense. But I do think at this point teams have, have prepared, are going to – be better prepared for that. They're going to be better um, suited to, to go up against that. Now, whether they can stop it is a different story, but I, I do think you're going to see some teams look to try and take the, the run away like Ohio State tried doing. Obviously, they, they feel miserably doing so. Um, so it, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a balancing act to watch. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see how they, how they you know, tackle this. You, you talked about uh, uh, the team needing some receivers to emerge. And I mean, we were talking about preseason polls here earlier in this podcast, but you look at like the top 10 and you look at Michigan's receiver core compared to the rest of those top 10, I mean, they would be ranked pretty low on that list. I know they're, they're strong in a lot of other positions, but I mean, that, that receiving core is, it probably isn't staring many opponents. So like you said, they, they do need to, some guys to step up in that room this year. If they, they are going to be more pass heavy and more effective. I think it's very telling to the Bolitnikoff watch list. Um, a Bolitnikoff award watch list came out on Monday. It's, you know, we're, we're in the awards preseason watch list season mm-hmm. where all these awards are coming out with players nationally. They're looking for, there were like 70 receivers on the list. Michigan didn't have a single one. That's wild. Not even Cornelius Johnson. Yeah. It, so it, that goes to show you, you know, at least the perception nationally is Michigan does, doesn't have a, a, a top tier receiver. Um, obviously their offense has certainly there has been, you know, uh, grounded on the, on the, on the, on the ground. And we all know that. Um, but I, I think it's time where they've got to get the receivers, you know, the, the passing game going. We, this is a, obviously another topic for another time, but it's also reflecting in, in the recruiting area too. Michigan lost on a key receiver this week. So it's, it's something I think Michigan acknowledges. They think that they realize they need to throw the ball more. And I, I think you're going to see a little bit. And I'm not saying it's going to be some wide split here where Michigan's going to come out and it's going to be air raid offense. It's not going to be that way. No way. But I, I do think there's going to be a, a, a renewed emphasis in throwing the ball this fall. I, I checked that list as well and, and noticed there were, there were no Michigan guys. Uh, you know, we may have lost a AP vote, but we picked up a Bolitnikoff award vote this year. So I'm voting, voting for that at the end of the year. Uh, had no say in the in the preseason watch list, but wanted to, wanted to really put any Michigan guys on, on there anyway. All right, yeah, we've also, uh, you know, there, some of the talk, um, you know, recently has been about the play in the trenches, the offensive line and the defensive line. And I find it, I find it a little funny because it's kind of like a spring game, right? What are you, what are you cheering for if you're a Michigan fan? And we're hearing that the offensive line looks great, but the defensive line does too. And I mean, I guess in practice, there's probably not a lot of, you know, ones versus ones going on right now. So, so maybe that's why it's, you know, the starting offensive line is looking great against the backups and, and vice versa on the other side of the ball. But yeah, I guess what we're what, what we're kind of 
what are the main takeaways from from what we're hearing uh, about the play on the line? Yeah, it's probably also a product of, of Michigan throwing the ball more. There's just more opportunities for the defensive line to get to the quarterback. And yeah. that's kind of been the, the talking point we've heard this week is that guys are getting the quarterback. J.J. McCarthy praised the some of the edge rushers. I named the three and four kind of guys vying for the job, those starting roles by name. Um, we heard a lot of praise the last couple of days for Chris Jenkins. Uh, it's someone we've talked about quite a bit at tackle. He's added, you know, 15 pounds. He's over north of 300. Um, they, from what we've been told, again, this is intern McCarthy and some of the, the other guys talking, but, um, he's getting the quarterback as almost like a, a three tech edge rusher type guy. Um, he's had no issue shedding blocks. He's been getting around guys. Zach, Zach Zinner said he's gotten around him a couple of times in the tackle. So, um, it sounds like, and this was something we began to hear in, in Indianapolis at Big Time Media Days that, that Chris Jenkins was kind of a new player. He or not a new guy, but he's he's really emerged as that elite tackle that I think Michigan so desperately wants and needs. Um, so again, the talk out of camp is Chris Jenkins is looking very good. The edge rushers are getting home to the quarterback, but again, we're one weekend. They were throwing the ball a ton, so op- opportunities were there. Um, obviously things change once you add in the, the run game and everything else, but so far so good. Uh, it doesn't sound like we've heard a lot of, about injuries either, which is a good thing. Uh, so yeah, uh, all signs are pointing up with the, uh, the defensive line. What other key things do you want to talk about that players, um, you know, have, have shared with us these last few days, because we've got, uh, I certainly want to get to, you know, a little bit on Jim Harbaugh's suspension, the latest there and, and, you know, some, some big picture conference news also. J.J. McCarthy has been, has said that he's trying to use his legs a little bit more. Now, this is something we heard in the spring and, and the summer and everything else. Um, I, mm-hmm. I expect you're going to see maybe a little bit more aggressive McCarthy this fall at quarterback. Um, he, he has bulked up. He has added some weight. In fact, when the roster, the official roster came out uh, last late last week, uh, he was north of 200 pounds. So he has looked. He does look bigger. I think he's stronger. I think they're ready to kind of unleash him and let him do what he wants and, and kind of escape the pocket when he needs to. Um, I don't know what that, what, you know, the the long-term liability of that is, especially with the, the backup quarterback unsettled. Nonetheless, he's going to use his legs more. Um, all signs point to the offensive line. We've heard praise, and we heard praise about them in the spring. They, they've reiterated they feel like they're 10 deep. Um, they're, they're a strong group. Uh, it sounds like Sharon Moore, which which I think was eye-opening to me at least, has been very hands-off with the offensive line so far through camp. Uh, Jackson was telling us he spent a bulk of his time worrying about the offense as a whole and play calling, and he's kind of left the offensive line to themselves. They've kind of they're kind of running themselves with Jackson or kind of at the lead. We have a story about that at mlive.com slash Wolverines right now. Um, but I think it just goes to show that the, this the offensive line they they trust in them. They've got some new guys there, uh, three new transfers, which I think is going to be fascinating to watch play out in terms of not only who wins the starting job, but how they mesh. We saw the offensive line take some time last year meshing. Obviously, injuries were a factor, everything else, but they got a lot of guys there and a lot of figuring out to do and just kind of like, what, three weeks now to, to, to do it. got a little bit of time left here let's let's talk about Jim Harbaugh um if there's any update on his suspension when we will hear any official word um and just a just a basic question I mean if someone were to ask you oh hey you know I see that I see that Jim Harbaugh was suspended like what did he what did he do why is he suspended do, do we even know the the answer on that yeah so we we have no clarification on, on uh, I guess no update on the suspension right last we knew reports have said that he 
potentially faces a four-game suspension. Now, that is based on a negotiated settlement agreement Michigan has submitted to the NCAA, and that's uh, that's kind of how we're at, where we're at with the timeline. Um, historically, when a, t- when a school submits a, a negotiated settlement agreement, um, historically, that is, we, they've gotten a response within 30 days. Now, the, this, this settlement uh, was submitted late July, so the assumption is that Michigan is going to hear back by the end of August which would be right before the season starts. So that would allow Jim and, and the program to kind of move forward with, with the suspension. Uh, assuming he's gone for four games, um, we are going to see, obviously see new head coach and some shakeup with the coaching staff um, because not only that, but Sharon Moore off as a coordinator and, and Grant Newsom, the tight ends coach also face a potential one game suspension. So um, as for the, the charges, I guess you could say, uh, he has been alleged to obviously misled or lied to NC investigators in regards to level two violations against the football program. Uh, m- most of them have been uh, in recruiting violations um, during the COVID uh, recruiting period in, in 21, um, misuse of assistant coaches, or in, in this case, analysts as assistant coaches during practice, uh, and, and various various other stuff. So the, the initial violations weren't this most serious. They were level two on a one to three scale. But what really hurt Harbaugh is is what NCA investigators claim were either lies or, or him intentionally misleading them in the investigation. Gotcha. So yeah, well, you know, it's still a lot of the the players are you know giving us the company line of you know I don't know too much about that can't can't speak on that right now and you know Harbaugh probably will continue to until something something is official on that front. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think from I I don't really remember any. Um, you know, realignment discussion from you guys on, on, on the last one. Cause you know, it wasn't uh, official yet, but Hey, Oregon and, and Washington are, are joining the big 10. You know, we kind of knew it wasn't done when USC and UCLA hopped on board. Um, but now, you know, some of those, those schedules that we talked about on, on a previous episode about, you know, when Michigan was playing USC and UCLA, you can, you know, scrap those cause they're going to have to rework them with, you know, at least two more teams joining the fold next year. It's been ridiculous, man. <laughs> you're you're not happy with this, Zook. No, I mean like the the Big Eighteen. Like, like what what are we doing here? It's like I I saw something too that the the only thing that would really make sense to me is like football only conferences because they only play once a week and it's a shorter season. But yep. like people have said, the the other schools like I mean a field hockey match in on a Tuesday or Monday from for Rutgers against USC. I mean, come on now. Like that's just, it's unnecessary and ridiculous. And it's like, okay, you, you build the the TV contract and you set these new schedules. And then it's, if you knew this was a possible potential possibility for 2024, now you got to redo it. I'm sure there was already some planning aspects going on once that schedule was those original schedules released. And now those are just completely strapped. So back to the drawing board, and unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're done with with realignment, and it's, it's the old days of college football conferences seem to be uh, a thing of the past. Oregon and Washington coming to the Big Ten was kind of it was it came up quickly. Yeah, um, it was the result of Colorado jumping uh, to the Big Twelve and kind of unstable. I mean, unstabilizing the Pac twelve. Now you can make the case UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten last year, or at least the announcement last year, helped destabilize the Pac twelve. Um, there's a lot at play here. There's a lot of uh, moving parts. Um, we are seeing the TV networks kind of drive things now uh, with Fox basically controlling the Big Ten and ESPN controlling the SEC. 
Um, these moves are obviously done for, for money situations like you guys insinuated. Um, they make their most money on football and obviously just lesser, lesser degree basketball. Um, so it, it's a money move. It's more money for the schools. It's more money for the conferences. It's more money for the TV networks. Unfortunately, as you said, Zook, it comes on the back of the student athletes. Now, maybe less so football, because like you said, they only travel once a week. But what about basketball and baseball and softball and, and track and, and everything else who have to travel across the country during the middle of the week, during the middle of the semester, and have little time for anything else? Um, we talk about student athletes and, and student being the first part of it. Um, unfortunately, you know, these networks and everyone else are try, trying to make money uh and it's it's affecting them too so it's it's only going to continue we use the phrase realignment so often and really what this is is a consolidation uh you're seeing uh schools go to the safer place where they know they're going to generate the most money and uh and that's what we've seen there i think the big 10 is probably only going to add more teams eventually at some point i don't think it's going to end uh unfortunately and yeah it's changing the the landscape and and you know nature of college athletics as we know it What's going to be interesting to for me to see is, I mean, yeah, there these schools are getting larger chunks of these TV contracts and bringing in more revenue, but it's going to be interesting to see how much more they're going to be spending by set, uh, flying a, a team uh, across the country on, on a couple times a year too. Or yeah, I mean that I feel like the the bills uh, and expenses are going to go up quite a bit too with these uh, with these West Coast schools joining the lead. Yeah, I mean, all these major schools, they have, they do have private planes. Um, I don't know, the college athletes, they're, they're, they're young. I mean, they, they could bounce back or be less affected by, you know, jet lag, for example, than, you know, some other people. So I don't know, maybe I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I was with you on that for sure. I don't know, maybe it, it won't be as big a deal as we think, but yes, most of these moves are being viewed, you know, through the lens of, of football first and foremost. And yes, it's all. It's all, uh, you know, money-based decisions. Um, but yeah, 18 teams for now, but, you know, why not, you know, try to snag two more, Big Ten times two, um, and, and, you know, see where we're at there. But as we've discussed on this, kind of always sort of trending towards maybe just two super conferences, which are, you know, basically like the NFL has, um, or yeah, football somehow, you know, breaking off, um, you know, or the NCA not really being a, a thing anymore in, in college sports to begin with. Uh, who, who knows exactly what the future holds, but um, yeah, certainly more, you know, more travel and, and some, you know, new and hopefully better matchups for Michigan football. We'll see how it affects potentially non-conference schedules because Michigan's for the second year in a row is what we'll get into in future podcasts is, is not good. So um, can't hurt there. Uh, we'll have coverage of all this and more on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening.